Hello, everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonek-Chanko, and welcome to the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. This episode features industry veteran Victor Brick, the co-founder of Brick Bodies, Planet Fitness Growth Partners, and the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation. The subject is mental health, and we discuss in detail everything Victor has learned over the past few years since founding the Mental Health Foundation, why this subject is so important, how gyms can address mental health, and much more. Enjoy. This edition is sponsored by Club Solutions Mastermind Groups. The Club Solutions Mastermind Groups offer peer-to-peer support that's affordable, convenient, and for all levels of health club management. Go to clubsolutionsmgx.com for more information. Awesome. It's so good to see you, Victor. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. How are you? Doing pretty well. I'm super excited to talk to you about this particular topic, which is mental health. I know that it is a topic that's, um, you know, you're personally extremely passionate about. So I want to kick us off um, for our audience who may not know. Tell us a bit about your journey to the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation. What led to you founding it? Sure. My brother, John, suffered from schizophrenia. My older brother, my oldest brother, John, suffered from schizophrenia his entire life and ended up succumbing to complications from the disease at a, at a prematurely in his, uh, at 60. And he was eight years older than myself. And at all the years that he received treatment, never once was he put on a fully integrated, well-rounded program that included such things as exercise, nutrition, and mind-body practices, along with saluted, uh, along with traditional forms of treatment, such as uh, uh, psychoanalysis, medication, and hospitalization and institutionalization. It was always the latter three. And uh, I always knew, even before I got into the fitness industry, that there had to be a better way than to get on this vicious cycle that he was on of feeling horrible, getting on medication, feeling better mentally, but physically being very um, impaired, getting office medication and getting psychotic again. He'd go on this, this very vicious cycle that so many people get on. So when he passed, we, Lynn and I started the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation and we found out, we, we started working with uh, med- uh, mental health groups uh, in, and, and organizations, and we found out that they were still treating people the exact same way. Psychoanalysis, medication, institutionalization. And we determined that we were going to change that. So the purpose of the John, the mission of the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation is to change the way the world treats mental health. And our purpose is to have salutogenic, salutogenic means wellness, salutogenic processes such as exercise, nutrition, and mind-body practices integrated as part of the mental health care delivery system in the treatment of, in the promotion of mental health and in the treatment of mental illness. So how do we do that? We do that three ways. We fund and promote evidence-based research. Right now we're funding a $1.2 million study with the University of California, San Francisco, testing how movement in the form of three different forms, the Wim Hof method, high intensity interval training and meditation benefit uh, benefit, uh, depressive symptoms. Are you familiar with Wim Hof, the ice man? He's the guy that that does the cold showers, the cold baths, uh, ice baths, deep breathing, and then holding your breath. Lynn and I can hold our breath almost four minutes now. But anyway, he's a good personal friend and we're doing this phenomenal research. We're getting ready to release the the, uh, results of that research 
this spring, actually, uh, Q1, end of Q1. So funding from evidence-based evidence research, we create programs and services. Our big initiative this year is to create a fitness trainer well mental well-being certification. Right now, there is no nationally recognized certification program. Very little out there to train the trainers. That's one of the things we're going to talk about today on how to help people with mental well-being issues and mental health issues. And then the third thing we do is we serve as a collaborative hub, connecting people, connecting programs, sharing information, and generally basically, basically forwarding the knowledge of, of well self-care as, as, as opposed to healthcare. We did the uh, Never Alone Summit. We've done two Never Alone Summits with Deepak Chopra and a, and a host of other mind-body individuals. We produced the Move Your Mental Health Report uh, that John W. Brick produced, the Move Your Mental Health Report, one of the most comprehensive research papers ever done on uh, how movement benefits mental health. We reviewed 1,400 research papers done over 30 years and came up with their findings. It's a must read for everybody. Go to the John W. Brick Foundation.org website and look up the Move Your Mental Health Report. And th this year, we're doing a Move Your Mental Health Report, but this time on nutrition and how it affects mental health. So those are the three things we did. Very fascinating. It sounds like you've been able to get a lot accomplished since founding the organization and you just founded it a few years ago, right? Yes. It's only been founded four years now. And, and it's like anything else. Once you get the right people on board, things take off. Our executive director, Cassie Beaton, is very experienced in foundation work, charitable work, nonprofit work, I should say. She's a researcher and she's a psychologist herself. So she's really brought the level of professionalism to whole new levels. And we're, we really feel like we're going to make a difference. We want to, our, our, our uh, motto is let's go put a dent in the universe. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Let's go awesome. put a dent in the universe. Yeah. Well, yeah. Can you um, share just some of the, you know, you shared a lot of the um, projects that you're working on, um, things you've been able to accomplish. What have been some of the key takeaways as you've kind of gone through this journey in the organization or things that you've just learned? One of the main things that we've learned and are trying to uh, to impart to others is this concept of positive stress. And it's the Yerkes-Dodson Law of Positive Stress, which states that in performance improves with stress to a point. Mm -hmm. To little stress, no improvement. The right amount of stress, you learn better under the right amount of stress. You develop muscle better under the right, of right amount of stress. Your mind can function better under the right amount of stress. And then too much stress, actually a decrease in performance. You, you get stressed, but you also get out of your comfort zone. You get angry. You, you, get, uh, you, you lose confidence. It's, it's a negative. So it's the right amount of stress. And too many people do one of two things. A lot of people, of course, not enough stress, but there are people that do too much stress. And then they wonder why they have mental health issues, adjustment issues, why they can't sleep. And sleep, by the way, is the foundation for good mental well-being. If you do not have sleep, you are going to have issues. And it's one of the biggest uh, afflictions or, or, or biggest maladies facing uh, Americans. 80% of Americans have trouble sleeping. So it, it, it it's the root cause of so many health issues. And it's not so much 
pathogenic issues, a la, you know, you literally get sick in a pathogenic way, in a medical way, but it causes depression, it causes anxiety, it, 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 it affects, basically it messes with your well-being and your chi. So yeah. those are some of the things that, that we got from that. Yeah, yeah. there's a really great book called Why We Sleep um, by Matthew Walker that, you know, mm-hmm. the industry might be interested in reading yeah. if you want to learn more about the science behind it and why it's so yeah. important. And, and there's another one by Michael, I think it's Michael Bruce called uh, The Power of When. And it talks about when to do everything based on circadian rhythms, starting with when to sleep. But we all have different rhythms. And he, he talks in terms of mankind, man being mankind, humankind being mammals and not birds. So it's not the early bird and it's not that night owl. It's the dolphin, the lion, the bear and the wolf. And I won't go into details, but it relates sleep patterns to those four animals. And I'm a... I think of myself as this big old cat, quick as a cat and everything, but I'm, I'm just a bear, like 60 to 70% of us, which we, we got to sleep when the sun's up. We go to sleep. When the sun's up, we sleep more in the winter and less in the summer. But but if you read, read the book, it makes so much sense. And I'm sure everybody's heard of circadian rhythms and how powerful they are. Yeah, fascinating. Well, before we get you know much further... Um, I would love for you to just kind of define mental health and maybe talk about some of the elements that should be considered when we're evaluating someone's mental health. And that's one of the issues, because if you can't define it, it's kind of hard to address it. And there are so many definitions. And the problem with the medical profession, who has up until now has been the one to making the definitions, is they can get very technical. And my my experience is you got to kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. You all heard of that. So So I like the real simple definition of mental health, and we're talking about mental health first, is emotional, physiological, and social well-being. Emotional, physiological, and social well-being. So if you have mental health issues, you have an issue with either your emotional, your psychological, or your social thought patterns. So on the reverse side of that's mental health, what is mental illness? And mental illness is defined as a mental, behavioral, or emotional disorder. So mental illness is a disorder. It is a disease, and it it often requires medication, and it certainly requires health from a a health professional and the whole health uh, industry or or, uh, space support system to address it. Whereas mental well-being is the sense of, uh, is a state and it's not a mental, con- it's not a pathogenic condition and it can be controlled to a great extent by how you approach it without the need for traditional medical uh, practice or, or, or focus. So yeah. mental health is, Emotional, psychological, and social well-being and mental illness is a mental, behavioral, or emotional disorder. Yeah. Yeah. All very fascinating. And we're kind of an exciting time for the field, right? I mean, obviously, we've all known that mental health and mental illness um, were important things to talk about. But it seems like today, more than ever, you know, there's been a spotlight shined on it. I think especially in light of the COVID pandemic, right? It's something now that, you know, there's just a heightened focus on it. If, if you look at society, one of the reasons there is so much social unrest in so many different areas is people are starting to take responsibility 
for their own lives, uh, economically, professionally, uh, socially, and in terms of health and well-being, whether it be physical health or whether, as in why am I forced to stay at home when I'm healthy and take care of myself and not at risk, as opposed to as, as well as mental health. 27% of the American population suffers from a clinically diagnosable mental illness every year, 27%. It's doubled since COVID. It's doubled. And you know what the main two main things are? Anxiety and depression. Do you know what the two main things that movement can help? Anxiety and depression. So here is the most disturbing thing. Suicide rates have not gone up. You know what has gone up? Attempted suicide rates. Do you know the difference? Suicide okay. rates means you are so, so you're in such a dark place you don't want to live. Attempted suicide rates are calls for help. Yeah. Attempted suicide is a call for help. So people are calling for help more than ever, but they're not actually doing it more than ever because you know, at the end of the day, they don't want to. They want to be helped. Attempted suicide rates has doubled in girls ages 17 to 25. Now you tell me which group, age group depends on coping on connectivity the most. Do you remember when you were 17, 18, high school, yeah. college, a young girl? Yeah. And the boys, they got like sports and stuff. And of course my daughter played college basketball. I mean, girls have it too, but they depend on this connectivity, I think a little more and it affected them more. And it's really, it's really sad. And I could go through statistic after statistic about how COVID dramatically exacerbated an already bad situation with yeah. mental, mental health. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that um, COVID had a severely um, you know, negative impact on mental health across the uh, U.S. And you're right, um, you know, didn't really matter what your circumstance, you definitely were negatively impacted in some way. Um, but I think going back to what you're saying about people evaluating their circumstances during COVID too, um, I think that that's been a factor in the great resignation as well, where we have all these people leaving their jobs. And I think a lot of it is because they were really taking time to reflect on if they were actually happy. <laughs> and uh, if not, sure you know, making some changes and that, you know, mental health was a key driver in that, I think. When during COVID, when you almost everything was taken from you, except your material things, think about it. It's one of the rare instances where you kept your material things, you kept your car, you kept your house, you kept most of your money. Uh, they even gave you money. But what you didn't keep were the really important things, your relationships, your memories, your your uh, uh, rituals, your traditions. I mean, they actually took away Christmas for the most part and Thanksgiving. And I say they, I mean, a lot of it was necessary. I'm not, I'm not one of these guys say hey, there was no pandemic. It was, it was intense and, and tragic. But the point is for whatever good, bad or indifferent, we lost a lot of what we are. Mm -hmm. And people started to question that. What is important in my life? I still have my big house here. I got my everything else and I'm unhappy because I can't hug my children. I can't go see a friend. I can't. And, the, and you started realizing life is short, play hard. It's really what people realize. I mean, I think for a lot of people, it was the first time they were faced with their mortality, not just theirs, but their loved ones. I mean, I, I unfortunately 
and you know, being a Christian, I, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't fear death, and I, I, it's inevitable. But at the same time, it's it's hard. I don't care what you say; it's hard when you lose your parents and your oldest brother within three years. I mean, that's hard. Yeah. But but it was kind of expected, and you know, kind of uh, yeah. In their case, you 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 could see it coming. But with something like COVID, where it's healthy today and gone tomorrow, that 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 is really hard to take, and you start questioning what's important in life. And I yeah. think that's what's happened. And that and what comes back to is health. A lot of it comes back to health, and that's when they start saying, one, what should I do, and two, I'm going to make sure I I'm in control. I, I realize now I need to do something. And, and you see that it's kind of like the reason people start working out after Christmas, because they realize they need to start doing something, but it's a lot, I'm hoping it's a lot more permanent than that, a lot deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And it's well-being, mind, body, spirit, well-being, not just, I got to lose a few pounds. Yeah. Which actually probably better. I mean, it should be something that's um, more deeply considered. A hundred percent. If, if, there's always pain and growth and the pain was all those unfortunate individuals that didn't make it and that got sick and that we, all the, the memories that were lost. But if we learn from this experience, it could make us all better. Mm-hmm. And um, that unfortunately, like sometimes it is only through pain, not only, but the, through pain that you experience the most growth. And I, I would like to think uh, we're all a little better for it. I would really hope that I know I am. Yeah, I would agree. Thanks again to our sponsor, Club Solutions Mastermind Groups. The Club Solutions Mastermind Groups offer peer-to-peer support that's affordable, convenient, and for all levels of health club management. Go to clubsolutionsmgx.com for more information. With mental health, why is this such an important topic for fitness professionals to be well-versed on? And then I'd love to hear about, you know, the specific certification that you shared earlier on. All right. So, There are really two reasons that the fitness industry as a whole and uh, multi-service and and health clubs, the fitness industry as a whole and health clubs in particular should be concerned and focused on addressing the mental health pandemic. And that's exactly what it is. It's a pandemic. Anytime the definition of pandemic is that it affects negatively a certain percentage of the population. The mental health pandemic is affecting many more people even than COVID. And while not as extreme in terms of immediate result, negative results, much, probably much, much longer term negative effects. Mm-hmm. I mean, 30, 40, 50 years, some of these things could start to manifest themselves with individuals. The first is that it's a huge opportunity. You've heard the, comp- you've heard the comment or the, the uh, phrase, never waste crisis. And this is our time. This is the time for the fitness community, to health and health care, health and fitness industry to step up and to lead and to use this, this focus on individuals, health and fitness as an, as an opportunity to grow and to benefit. Most people, like Pavlov's dog or stimulus response, stimulus response. Pavlov's dog, you know that study, of course, everybody does. Pavlov's dog didn't wait 10 minutes to ring a bell. I mean, to start salivating. It salivated right away. Mm -hmm. So here is the traditional health club model. You want to lose weight. 
That's your main goal for coming in. And that's what our ads say. That's what our pictures say. That's what we sell you on. You come in and we tell you, you can lose a pound or two a week if you do X. So you work out, you work out, you work out, you work out, you lose a half a pound. You work out, you work out, you work out, you lose a half a pound. You do that for a month, you've lost two pounds and you quit because you wanted to lose 20 in a month. Now, do the math, two pounds a, a, a month is 24 pounds in a year. And that's pretty on good. How many of you know that lost that and kept it off? Very few. Yeah. Because it's too hard. And so they take the instant programs and they do the dramatic diets and they do the yoga thing because the effort hardly matches the, the reward. So let's say that we promote mental well-being. Let's say that we promote the sense of feeling better. That's why you want to work out. That's why you came in because you're having trouble sleeping and you're just not feeling happy. You work out, you leave, you feel better. You come back the next time. You work out, you feel, leave, you feel better. Guess what? Effort, reward, effort, reward, effort, reward. And here's the byproduct. If you're doing that, guess what you're going to do? You're going to lose weight too. Yeah, because now yeah. you're coming three to five times a week because you're, you're coming in to feel good. So that's what you're looking for and you accomplish it. When you're coming in to lose weight, even if you feel good, you're frustrated when you get on the scale. And the first couple of weeks, guess what's happened? You might even gain weight. Mm -hmm. So this concept of stressing mental well-being is good for the pocketbook. And it's a universal experience. A universal experience that more people desire. And it works on psychology, effort, reward, effort, reward. The second and the most important, more important, reason is exactly what you just said universal experience it's needed why should the health club focus on this now it's needed we talked about connectivity and coping skills it's the main reason i mean the two we, we among all industries we are the only two i know of that can provide both you go into a medical community you're not getting the connectivity you go into someplace else, you're getting that. You're not, you're, you're, I mean, you're not getting, you go into a, a movie, you're not getting the coping skills or, or dance. We can do both. And here's the even more compelling reason to do it in terms of that it's needed. Not only is it needed, but it's what most people want. Euromonitor, Euro which is another research firm. And being in the John W. Brick, I've gone from theory to science because when I would talk theory to medical people, their eyes would roll back into their head. What I believe, all Victor Brick, all psyched up exercises. That. <laughs> once we started doing research, once we started confronting people with the cold, hard facts, guess what? We got some respect. Think about it today. When people get on the new uh, in front of uh, the public and they start call, talking facts, and if, if they can substantiate them, they have a lot more chance of being getting credibility than when they just pop off theory. So anyway... Euro, 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 Euro monitor did a research report for the Global Wellness Summit. Now, I'm in the Global Wellness Summit big time now. The Global Wellness Summit is the gathering, the association, large associate, association in the world for the wellness community. And I went to the first, my first conference, and the Global Wellness Summit, it's not just one summit, it's, it's an association, but they, their main event is their summit. And I went because Tony DeLead, you know, Tony, everybody yes. knows Tony. Tony asked me to go because he was on the board. And I, Lynn and I went 
And it was a life-changing experience. And it was one of those things we believe in to either lead, follow, or get out of the way. Lead, follow, or get out of the way. So we're there at this conference and we're sitting in the crowd and we say, this, this is unbelievable. This is where we met Wim Hof, by the way. We think this is unbelievable. We got to get involved because we want to lead. So the next thing you know, I'm on the board of the Global Wellness Summit, along with Tony. Now, by the way, to this day, that was three years ago, maybe four. To this day, he, Lynn and I are still the only three fitness people in the whole industry involved with the Global Wellness Summit. And I think that's sad. But anyway, the Global Wellness Summit did a research paper on why people exercise. And they asked 10,000 people, they had uh, Euromonitor did the research for them. They asked 10,000 people, not a couple of hundred, not a bunch of people living in the same town in Ohio, 10,000 people around the world, why they exercise. All four age groups, boomers, Gen X, which is the millennials, Gen Y and Gen Z. So you're talking from 18 to 80, all four age groups for the first time ever said the same thing. And it wasn't the standard like it was in my day when I started in the industry in 85, used to be people worked out to get bigger or to get smaller. Most of the men worked out to get bigger and lifted weights. How much can you bench press? Most of the women did aerobics and worked out to get smaller, Jane Fonda. Now it's kind of blended now, a lot of women strength train, but to a great extent, the fitness industry still promotes getting bigger and getting smaller. That's not what 10,000 people said. 66% of each age group said the same thing. We work out for our mental well-being. So those are the main reasons that we should be, as an industry, should be uh, focused on this opportunity and because it's needed. Yeah, do the, definitely do the, a huge need. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the certification that fitness professionals can look into and what well, it teaches see, you? See, that's the problem. One of the big challenges is consistency and the right message. And do you know the first rule of medicine? Do no harm. The first rule. And that's the problem is that there's so many people that are really not skilled or educated in how to address people with, and I don't say depression because depression is a clinical state and most of us shouldn't be dealing with depression. But depressive symptoms, we should be able to help. In other words, he can't sleep. We should be able to help that. In other words, he worries a lot. We should be able to help that. In other words, he can't stay focused. We should be able to help that. We shouldn't play doctor. And if he's depressed, we should re re uh, recommend he sees help. Remember, there's black and white, white and black. That's self-care, health care. But if he's exhibiting depressive symptoms, we can be part of the delivery system for sure. So how do you do it? And that's where the certification comes in. If you think about it, and again, I don't wanna put you on the spot talk, start talking about age and whatnot, but there was a time when nobody was certified. There were no certifications for anything, not group exercise, not the step class, not Zumba, not personal training, nothing. Now, almost every type of movement, there's a certification and you have ACSM and ACE and you know, there's like six of them, 10 of them, more than that, dozens. But there's very few for mental health and the ones for mental health that there are, I'm not sure how, where they got their protocols because I haven't seen them. And I'm just concerned that are they really based on those 1400 studies that we compiled over a 30 year period? It has to be evidence-based research. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see where the certification goes and just all the research that you're doing. Um, it sounds like, you know, very promising. Um, but let's end, if you don't mind, on just some practical right. ways gyms can address mental right. health, um, maybe for their employees specifically. All right. So the first thing that's required to affect change is knowledge. So the first thing that anyone should do, especially with your staff, for two reasons, one for them personally, but two for them to impart to members, is educate them on all the things we just discussed because it, you think it's common knowledge, but it's not. And the good way to place to start is the movie mental health report that comes up with research that what is good for what, because if you're an instructor and you're depressed, guess what? You should be doing 30 to 45 minutes of monitor to intense training three to five times a week as well. But here's the thing. If you don't understand the concept of positive stress, remember what I said, there's a lot of people that are too much stress. If you're a trainer, there's a real good chance you might be doing too much stress. And maybe you better back off the six to eight miles a day at a six minute pace and start going for some long hikes in, in, in place of or in addition to or complementing. So They've got to understand the science and the research and what it says, and then they impart it to themselves and realize this isn't just for me. It's, I mean, for me to train others, it's for me too. And I'm telling you, it's amazing because I was there. I was a personal trainer and I often did what I told people not to do. And that is be obsessed with how much weight I pushed. Uh, do one more rep. Yeah, there's a saying in sports, you can play hurt, but you can't play injured. So you get that little uh, uh, stress or, or, or uh, pain, really, discomfort training. That's okay. But when you start to hurt and you go right on through it because you can't afford to take a month off, you're going to have problems. And then what's going to happen is it's going to really start to affect you because Usually overuse exercises and movements cause inflammation. This would happen with my shoulders. Well, I used to do 50 chin-ups a day, 50. You know, I do sets of 10, but still that's a lot of chin-ups. Yeah. And my shoulders just blew up and I didn't even realize because I never tore them. I'd go in for x-rays, they're killing me, and he'd say nothing's wrong. It was inflammation. Inflammation causes pain. What does pain lead to? Depression. What does depression lead to? I already told you, it's the main cause, depression, anxiety, are the main cause of every mental health issue. Main, men, uh, poor mental well-being are most affected by pain. How many older people do you know that are just not in good spirits because they're in pain? You rarely find someone that's in chronic pain that's cheerful. So these people gotta be the physician. Remember, do no harm and make sure they, they take care of themselves. And uh, they uh, really, really need to focus on that positive stress curve. You also need to evaluate your, your aging process. And when I was younger, I was never, you know, big and strong and all, but I was obviously a lot, quote, one of the better words, stronger than I am today because I trained hard. When I was younger, it's not uncommon to go for many people, 90 to 100% yang and zero or 10 or 20% yin. Yang is hard, it's masculine, it's fire, heavyweights, sports, going all out, no pain, no gain. Yin is water, it's feminine, it's soft, it's flowing, it's 
meditation, it's stretching. The ideal balance when you're younger is 80-20 because you, you know how it is when you're young, you, you, you get recover so much quicker and you're looser to start with. But over time, it should actually switch to 20-80. You should always keep some of that yang. Muscle mass is important to maintain. But you have to realize as you age, it's recovery that's the hardest. I used to be able to train hard five days in a row. Now I can train hard once a week. I can still do it, but it's once a week. So you just adjust accordingly. And your head's got to be in the right place to realize that's best for you. And uh, it's, it, it's, we went to here, uh, we went to Global Summit in December. And we heard uh, Dr. Michael Royzen speak. He used to be the head of the Cleveland Clinic, which is one of the foremost longevity centers in the world. He's a good friend of ours. He's actually helping us with our daughter's uh, situation. And he talked about the fact of longevity. His whole talk was about longevity. And he, he said that he used to say 60 was the new 40. Now he's saying 90 is the new 40. He's saying we're going to live to be 110 on average by the, by the year 2030. And all trends and statistics point to that due to three things, science, technology, and the advanced and the more focus on well-being, health and well-being due to COVID. If you're gonna live to be 110, you don't wanna have broken down old shoulders when you get there. You don't wanna have knees that don't work. And you don't wanna basically have worked your way to where you can hardly walk like a mm -hmm. broken down old athlete. You wanna take care of yourself so that when you get there, you are still vital, productive, happy, and productive and, and, and energetic. So the, uh, trainers need to be aware of the, what's right for them at the right time. And they have to listen to their body and realize that if they're in, uh, constantly a state of inflammation is going to cause pain and pain leads to depression and depression leads to mental health issues. The other thing that more clubs should do is connectivity in a focused setting. At our Planet Fitnesses once a month, we have a group training with the general manager and all the staff in a circuit training. And we develop this sense of connectivity informally while working out in a format that aids in the improvement of depressive symptoms. So those are some of the things that they can do. They uh, use, they should really rely on the move your mental. There, the, when I was training, there used to be a book for bodybuilders and I wasn't a bodybuilder, but I would train people that wanted to build muscle. And it, it was called Keys to the Inner Universe by uh, Bill Pearl. Bill Pearl was five-time Misty Universe, also another good friend of ours. Arnold Schwarzenegger's book replaced that as the Bible, but at one time it was Keys to the Inner Universe, and then it was Arnold Schwarzenegger's book. I can't even remember what his book was. The Move Your Mental Health Report should be that resource for all health fitness trainers for mental well-being, because it tells you what to do for what. It, you can go by sport. You can put cycling, what uh, mental issues or condition, mental health issues to cycling help uh, help with. And it'll tell you these three or these four 
have been shown to be most effective positively by bike cycling, swimming, bum, 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 bum. And of course, most of them are very similar in nature. And that is already said depression. But again, this <clears throat> will give you a uh, evidence-based approach as opposed to just logic and your own personal uh, uh, bias. Yeah, that's great to know. And we'll definitely link to the report for everyone in the show notes page. So, well, Victor, this has been fascinating. Um, I really appreciate you just coming on and educating uh, myself and the audience on everything that you've learned through founding the foundation and just, you know, your very vast experience in the fitness industry. Great. I'd just like to close if I could with a thought, and it's kind of my rallying cry in a lot of situations, and it's from Hillen the Elder, who was a Jewish sage and scholar. John F. Kennedy was given credit for it, and I think once Reagan used it, and a lot of people think one of the two of them said it, but in reality, it was this Hillel back in the H-I-L-L-E-L back in who knows when, and he said, if not us, who, and if not now, when? And my appeal to the fitness industry to help with this mental health pandemic, if not us, who, and if not now, when? Yeah, I love it. I'm sure that'll inspire a lot of people to take action. Well, thank you. I always enjoy our uh, talks and uh, I always appreciate you uh, letting me have a, uh, a uh, forum to express uh, my passion for mental well-being. Awesome. It was my pleasure, Victor. And I look forward to seeing you in May at the Club Solutions Leadership Summit. Great. Alrighty. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. We'll see you then. And that wraps up this episode of the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Thank you for listening. And if there are future topics you'd like me to cover in upcoming episodes, please let me know at rachel at clubsolutionsmagazine.com.